testimony of FBI agent Peter Strzok. Um, uh, so uh, if that gets exciting or whatever, we'll bring that to you live. Hey, just oh uh, yeah, ask him the hard questions. I'm sure they will. Okay, and he'll take the fifth and super. So um, this is kind of interesting. Everybody's trying to figure out the new world, right? We certainly are in the media. Radio industry is everybody's guessing just like they are in newspapers and every and magazines and everything else. How do you make money? What do people want? I mean, we, we think about this all the time. And if you figure that out, do you have the resources to make it happen? Yeah. But should we be serving the podcast listener who listens in a completely different way to this show than those of you who are in your car or your kitchen listening? Um, you know, how many? Everybody's trying to figure this out. Uh, retail also in the same situation. So here's an idea Nordstrom's came up with that might work. They're going to have these um, stores where they don't have stuff, per se, to buy. But you can... I'm not going to that store. <laughs> the hell am I here for? But you could order from Nordstrom's.com pair of shoes, jacket, dress, whatever. It delivers to that store. Then you stop by the store and try it on there. Oh, wait and a if minute. It, and here's the key, if you're, especially if you're like me. Oh, yeah. And if it doesn't fit... They handle sending it back. Yes. <laughs> so I can order the, uh, you know, the ten and a halfs, the elevens, and the eleven and a halfs in the shoe just to make sure and 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 to there. Oh. Or just the size and hope that it fits. But but because this happens all the time, and you know, you can make it as easy as you want. I know you're trying. You're trying really hard with a, with a doofus like me. You send me the box. You got the label right there. Everything. But I still no, still too much. I still too much work. I still got to get it back in the box. I got to tape it up. I got to get the label on it, and then I have to get it to a place to ship. Right. That still has to happen. Yeah. And it's just. But you show up at the store, try on the stuff you ordered. Yes. Yes. No. Makes me look fat. Keep the one Sir, you want. Come on, come on. I'm assuming get your money back right then for the things you don't want, and uh, you're out the door. That's awesome. I think that that model might work. Yeah, surely they'd get the refund going right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's a step up. I'm I'm trying to picture you know what percentage of the you know the uh, the internet uh, online purchase market that might. You know, take what it doesn't. I suppose it doesn't matter as long as it's profitable. We've got so many pairs of kids' shoes that don't fit. Oh boy! So you order the shoes and they come and then they don't fit and then I can send them back, but I don't get around to it. And then when I'm, I've got a little time. I think, okay, those shoes cost eleven dollars. How long is this going to take me to do this? And I have to drive where for eleven dollars? Mm, <laughs> or do I mm, just what is my time worth? Yeah. Right. Or do I nah, just keep... see this more bad parenting? Cram your shoe, cram your feet in there, son. The Chinese have been doing that for thousands of years. Here's something my wife and I cannot come to an agreement on. Uh oh, I just I've, I've I've given up on the conversation. It's just it's not worth getting into an argument about. She refuses to believe what is clearly true that every brand of shoes is different when it comes to sizes. So she will order if they need a size three, a size three, whether it's Nike or Adidas or Vans, and they're all completely different. Mm. And then she's shocked when they don't fit. I'm, I'm not going to fight that war anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you are lobbing shells over the border. <laughs> Sounds like you're sending drones into Israeli airspace, if you know what I'm saying. But anyway, we've got boxes of shoes I'm supposed to send back. Oh, boy. You'll get around to it. Oh, sure. Soon. Sooner or later. Uh, let's see. What are we... Uh, oh, at some point, uh, your uh, fairly uh, calm, even-handed... Uh, uh, 
sometimes uh, passionate but respectful reactions to Jack's AR-15 discussion of yesterday. Some really good stuff. Great, great historical context for the Second Amendment that I'll bet a lot of y'all Fantastic. have never heard. Yeah, cool. Um, we need to get to that. I don't. When do you want to do that? Mm, next break, maybe? Uh, next segment of the show? Next segment. Um, uh, sure. Uh, we need to get... i tell you what. Let's do it now. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Anyway, do you have the uh, Chuck Schumer stuff, all that? Listen, listen to... He is a uh, Democrat senator? Uh, yes, Jack. As a matter of Leader fact, of the Dems in the Senate. Yes, he's the top-ranked senator. If they take the Senate the back, he'll Senate? be the majority leader. Yeah, so listen, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but the president uh, nominated a bloke for the Supreme Court the other day, name of Brett Kavanaugh. And and the, the folks on the Democrat side of the aisle, they'd prefer to have uh, somebody more to their liking in the court, uh, but they're not going to get it because they don't have the presidency or the Senate or the House. But they've decided to make a little hay with it by it, taking overheated rhetoric and then sticking it in the microwave oven to get it to about a thousand degrees. Look, listen to what's being said about this guy who's known as being pretty mainstream, pretty milk toasty. Here. Rise up before so many of you will no longer be able to get insurance because someone in your family is sick. Rise up before it's too late. Rise up before you'll no, no longer be able to get insurance for someone in your family. Okay, we got more. President Trump has found exactly what he was looking for. Someone who will put extreme right-wing ideology ahead of patients' access to their health care. Okay. All right. Any else? Is that all of it? Or Okay. Chuck Schumer this morning, and we, we tried to find the tape, but can't. He said, Brett Kavanaugh on the court will turn back the clock decades, if not centuries, on your rights. Okay. All right, then. Oh, let wait. Hold on. Centuries? He's going to turn back the clock centuries. Fugitive slaves, watch out. Brett Kavanaugh is on your trail. Get to, come on. You know what I need to do? I need to look at the old email address, which we partly the reason we abandon it is because like everybody on Earth pitching guests or raising money or whatever got hold of it. And um, and so it became so hopelessly clogged with crap. It wasn't useful to us anymore. Um, and I look I'm looking for the fundraising emails because um, yeah. that's what this is. It's a giant sure. fire up the base fundraising. Plan. And both sides do it all the time. And it wears me out. Um, you, you don't, you're not actually going to fight this. You can't fight this. You're just saying this stuff to get everybody all excited and maybe send some money or show right. people that you're willing to fight. Well, the thing because about the other, the only other option is saying, eh, we can't do anything about it. So, well, you know, what's truly ironic Roll over and take it is some of this very rhetoric, including overturning Roe versus Wade, um, and, uh, rolling back your rights. Right wing extremist was used when Anthony Kennedy was nominated. The guy Kavanaugh is uh, set to uh, replace. And, and Kennedy is quite moderate, swing vote, etc. Kavanaugh is a textualist. He just believes in following the Constitution, not getting real creative with it. The idea that that makes him some sort of monster is just laughable. I don't know about you. I don't like getting lied to. I don't like getting played, and I don't think you should either. It's not healthy, but, uh, man, we're seeing a level of, of, of fevered rhetoric and disingenuousness that's if it's not record breaking, it's close. 
So they haven't started asking Strzok questions yet. He's still jawing with his lawyer. So uh, right up to the last second trying to figure out how they're going to handle this, I suppose. Well, I see a lot of the news organizations are leading with, did you hear this? The founder of Papa John's, you know, the guy with the Camaro and everything that started Papa John's Pizza, he dropped an N-bomb on a conference call, and now he's resigned Whoa. from the company. What was the context? Don't serve pizzas to... <laughs> no, no, no. Geez. I mean, what? what? Jeez, no. But uh, we'll talk about that later. Also, we got a bunch of response to my story about shooting for a first time in AR-15. So, all those Stormy Daniels, that story is big, making me... Uh, I always like to see what your big morning shows, the Today Show and Good Morning America, are going to talk about. So, Papa John's N-Bomb and Stormy Daniels, at least for the You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. So I just saw a headline, haven't nailed down exactly what's going on here, but uh, North Koreans did not show up to some meeting that they were supposed to show up uh, this morning. Another mm. sign that things may be getting a little hinky in that whole thing, so we'll have an update on that later. Um, oh, so Croatia beat England, so it's now England, or Croatia and France for the finals of the World Cup? We, oui. All right, and that is held this weekend. Of Very exciting match yesterday, Was Jack. It? I'll be breaking it down next okay. hour. All right. Uh, still hunting for the ludicrous stuff uh, Senator Schumer has been saying. You'd think it'd be easier to find. but uh, We'll bring you the Papa John's founder drops an N-bomb in a conference call story in which he is now no longer the Papa John's. Well, he's still the founder, but he's no longer involved in the company. He had, uh, he had to leave. He resigned. Right. He Can't drop know. N-bombs during a conference call, really in any context. I mean, we're trying to figure out in what context, but there's really not a good context well, that, that, that you'll survive. Right, right. And I don't know a lot about this story. I know that I followed the Netflix story at one point where, I mean, are we getting into this now no, or what? what no, are we doing? I said okay. we will get into it. Okay, all right, fine. Yes. Well, then I'll be quiet. What are we getting into now? I thought the AK-47, you, or no, I mean the AR-15 oh. you had ah, teased. Yes. Ah, yes. Sure, let's do that. So uh, a number of points about uh, guns and stuff, and and actually, you know, on the text line, gun enthusiasts, to some extent, Jack, I'll let you speak to this, went with their utterly self-destructive and self-defeating constant anger on the topic. Yeah, I know it's kind of the tone of our times, but if you don't focus on convincing as opposed to browbeating and like insulting, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, um, and that's that's one thing. And I say that as a guy who agrees with you on most of it. Yeah, I am. I uh, I have said before, I cannot be angered on the gun issue. I don't think you can anger me on the gun issue. But uh, a, a lot of you, and like Joe just said, that a lot of you that are in agreement with, if you uh, if if a person makes a misstatement or you don't think they're quite right on something about anything guns you come with the full you're an effing moron sort of attitude and that's not helping your cause it doesn't make people think you know what you should have as many guns of any kind you want that's no, I, not the way people react i would say it's counterproductive in the yeah. true meaning of the word you are hurting yourself but you know 
it's an interesting psychological phenomenon. I've had a, a number of people making technical points, um, which were uh, pretty interesting, uh, some rhetorical arguments. Um, but some of my favorite stuff was the constitutional um, talk. Uh, let's see. Uh, talking oh, yeah, about because if anyone... Because yeah, I, I, I think about that when I'm holding a weapon like that. Or the AR-15. And if you didn't hear it yesterday, one of the interesting things to me was you can't look at that gun, let alone pick it up and start shooting it without starting to think about a high school kid walking through a school with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't, which is unfortunate. But did the founding fathers mean that that I should have a gun like that so I can fight against the government or so that I can protect myself? Well, yeah, and to that, I've got some great stuff from Alexander Hamilton, but uh, regarding the Alexander argument... Alexander Hamilton! Oh, stop it. Regarding the argument that the government has fighter planes and so rifles would be useful, ask the Afghans and Iraqis about that. Somebody said, ask the Viet Cong about that. Ask, and a number of people pointed out, a number of insurgent movements through recent history who had no fighter planes at all but ended up winning. Um, oh, sure, and we've been battling ISIS and uh, Iraqi insurgents and everything like that with the greatest weaponry that exists, and they have... Rifles and there's, you know, it's still tough to defeat them. A uh, number of people made similar points to uh, Andy in Sacramento. Um, blah blah blah. Don't see a reason anyone should be able to own an AR-15. The better question is why shouldn't a lawful, uh, law-abiding person be able to? We don't have exact numbers. There are about three million of these lawfully owned in the U.S. They're almost never used in crime. Then he points out a couple of hundred times they've been used to stop bad guys. Um, this point from Lou, you missed it completely. The government doesn't rule us. They work for us. We allow them to govern us with our consent. The AR-15 is simply a reminder to them who is in charge. Should they ever get the notion that we are their subjects, citizens from shore to shore are here to remind them that it's not a good idea to mess with the boss. Uh, we don't need an AR-15 any more than we need a thousand horsepower Bugatti Veyron. Uh, if everything was based on need, you wouldn't be able to drive your truck because you don't need anything that big to get to work, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, some good yeah, stuff. Yeah, but nobody's taking the, the Bugatti into a school and uh, killing 30 people. Yeah. Cars kill tens of thousands, I guess is the counterargument. Here's a quote from the Gulag Archipelago sent along by uh, Jared in beautiful Missouri. Some say Missouri. They should stop. Here's your quote. How we burned in the prison camps later thinking what things would have been like if every police operative, when he went out at night to make an arrest, had been uncertain whether he would return alive. If during periods of mass arrests, people had not simply sat there in their lairs, paling with terror at every bang of the downstairs door or at every step on the staircase, but had understood that they had nothing to lose and had boldly set up in the downstairs hall an ambush of half a dozen people with axes, hammers, pokers, or whatever was at hand. The organs would very quickly have suffered a shortage of officers, and notwithstanding all of Stalin's thirst, the cursed machine would have ground to a halt. So, uh, if you're making that argument, then would you, I mean, would it be, should you go around door to door in your cul-de-sac and convince people that they should get a gun too? Because if just one of you in the neighborhood has one, it's not going to be enough. Should you be convincing your neighbors to get to AR-15s? Uh, theoretically, the yeah. ever hits the fan? I don't particularly think there's anything close to that need right now, so I don't, I don't think there's any need to, because um, that would take me time, and I'm a man who craves leisure. I just don't think the need is no anywhere near that acute. Um, but uh, Stephen points out the right to defend oneself and family and friends is actually not part of the Second Amendment. It's a fundamental right from God and was given at the time of the founders. Um, 
the purpose of the Second Amendment uh, to rise up against an overreaching government was the best way to prevent such abuses should they arise. Um, uh, and again, that's that's you know that's the point Tim the lawyer has made. The uh, our rights don't come from the amendments; they are natural rights that were codified by the amendments, saying don't even think about overturning these natural rights. And then you've got your uh, ninth and tenth amendments saying essentially, and there's more than that. So this isn't all of them. So don't get uh, hanky on us. Well, now, isn't it all about where you draw the line, though? Few people are arguing about actually doing away with the Second Amendment where you don't get to have a gun at all. Mm-hmm. And we do have limits on what you can have. I can't have a machine gun or a tank. So I would say the Democrat Party wants to talk about that a lot more. A lot of people do. Okay, well, they, in, our, they, in our conversation we're having with the people listening to me yesterday. Fair enough. Um, uh, none of us are talking about doing away with guns completely. But we draw the line somewhere. And so my question is, is the line on, the, on which side of the AR-15 should the line be drawn on? I don't know. Um, a, a number of people mentioned that it's like many, many other weapons. It's just a light rifle, and it's just gotten a bad rap. It's it's the hot gun, mm-hmm. um, but it's no different than many, many other firearms. So, mm-hmm. they so said, the conversation would be, should those be uh, taken away along with the AR-15, not not just the AR-15? Right. My answer would be absolutely not, but you know, I don't. I'm not threatened by the discussion. Uh, so anyway, Dan helpfully sent along, and I'll have to summarize this obviously because we're short on time. But uh, some stuff from Alexander Hamilton, and I can't remember which of the uh, Federalist Papers this was, but... Alexander um, Hamilton! Oh, please, I'm begging you, stop. Um, uh, th- so he's talking about a well-regulated militia, the actual wording of the Second Amendment. I'm part of a poorly regulated militia. I know, I've asked you, pl- start with washing your uniform. Half of us show up for each um, meeting. Uh, blah, blah, blah. This will not only lessen it. He's talking about having state militias and local militias and that sort of thing. In case the poo hits the fan um, in a we're threatened way, the government doesn't have to maintain a gigantic armed force. You know, times have changed now. We do have a gigantic armed force. But he goes on to say, but if circumstances should at any time oblige the government to form an, an army of any magnitude. Oh, that's the first part. Um, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, should have ha- highlighted this. There's so much of it. Um, he was a wordy man. I can Alexander sing more Hamilton. from Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, I wish you would do the part where he uh, decides to come to the new world. Um, let's see. Well, he goes into. It's funny. I can't find it now. He goes into those who stand ready to defend their own rights and those of their fellow citizens. Um, and that uh, da, 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 that if the government and the army should ever oppose the rights of the citizenry then they would have the ability to defend themselves. Because, as you know, the Founding Fathers were really afraid of a standing army, a military class, Mm -hmm. because they saw it as a tool of the government. And they wanted the people to have a countermeasure. So specifically, yes, part of the idea is if the government ever gets too oppressive, you're going to have guns and they better, uh, you know, look out. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? I'll find the specific text. Well, we got the struck hearing underway. We've got some opening comments for you. Awesome. Putin, friend or enemy, President Trump's very insightful answer. Coming up. Cool. All good stuff. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. We don't want to read text message after text message dripping with bias against one of the two 
presidential candidates. We don't enjoy finding compelling evidence that the FBI director had predetermined the outcome of the case months in advance. Well, there's the judiciary uh, chairman saying, uh, stating that there is bias and that they predetermined the guilt uh, in the FBI. So that's where we're starting in the hearing today, apparently. Mm, but he doesn't enjoy hearing that. It's painful to him. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have more of that for you. The highlights. Finally, Strzok dragged before Congress. So, real quickly, to follow up on my point, for some reason I couldn't find what I was looking for in the last segment. I apologize for that. Um, and a good uh, prelude to that was a note from Scott, who points out that the Second Amendment was written by men who had just fought a war with their government. They understood the need for the citizenry to have weapons that would allow them a chance against a powerful government. And to that end, from Federalist Paper Number 29... Written, uh, according to all, by Alexander Hamilton. And I quote, But if circumstances should at any time oblige the government to form an army of any magnitude, that army can never be formidable to the liberties of the people. While there is a large body of citizens, little if at all inferior to them in discipline and the use of arms, who stand ready to defend their own rights and those of their fellow citizens. This appears to me the only substitute that can be devised for a standing army and the best possible security against it, if it should exist. Explicitly, in Federalist Number 29, if we ever have to have a standing army, or including law enforcement, um, if they are ever, as he puts it, they can never be formidable to the liberties of the people, meaning they can never threaten the liberties of the people. And if there happens to be a hell of a lot of armed citizens, they won't be. That seems to me then that if I'm gonna buy that, that I that I should be arguing f- uh, for all my friends to get guns and learn how to use them. I should be standing on a street corner and trying to convince everybody walks by. You have a gun, you should get one. Here's why. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, if you think the need is urgent enough to spend your time in that pursuit, then mm. go ahead. I'm not going to, but. Uh, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. As Jack mentioned, the hearings have started. Peter Strzok, the FBI agent, removed from special counsel Robert Mueller's team because of derogatory text messages about President Trump set to testify before Congress. As the hearings get underway, one of the representatives asking those across the aisle how they would feel if these kind of texts were aimed at them. Envision how you would feel if you found out that the chief agent investigating you as a member of Congress was making these statements. F. Trump. Trump is a disaster. Just went to a Southern Virginia Walmart. I could smell the Trump support. Or perhaps most alarmingly and revealingly, we'll stop it, referring directly to Mr. Trump's candidacy for president. Those are some pretty damning texts. Mm-hmm. That we're about to uh, find out uh, what the explanation is for, I guess. Or he's going to refuse to answer. What would you do? Would you try to explain him or would you just shut up? I'd use the Sean defense, the pants doctrine. I was saying anything it took to get in her pants. That's it. I didn't mean any of it. Mm. Meanwhile, President Trump's moved on from the NATO summit in Brussels. He's now in Great Britain for his first visit there as president. Earlier today, though, Trump was wrapping up the NATO meetings on a high note. This was a fantastic two days. This was a really fantastic. It all came together at the end. And yes, it was a little tough for a little while. But ultimately, you can ask anybody at that meeting. They're really liking what happened over the last two days. So thank God NATO is saved. 
So did you see any of the video last night of uh, Trump and Merkel uh, yucking it up at the at the dinner? Yeah. I mean, so so everybody who's a Trump hater all day long talking about how he badmouthed one of our greatest allies, Germany, and now they're going to be pissed at us and this and that. Well, they sure seemed pretty happy last night at dinner. They were laughing and backslapping and everything. Right. I don't know. Right. But... And- one of the things Trump did, and I don't know, Marshall, do you have this about going our, on our own or our own way? At, at one point in his impromptu press conference, Trump said something to the effect of, you know, if NATO doesn't get its act together, I don't know, maybe we'll go our own way. Like a threat to leave NATO, and, and everybody went nuts, and several people pointed out to him, oh, sorry, and he came back and said, no, 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 no. Right. I, I think we will stay with NATO, so we won't go our own way after all. So it was just Trump being Trump. <laughs> By the way, the questioning of Strzok, Trey Gowdy has begun, and we're going to air that for you here in about five minutes or so. And I guarantee you that's going to be good. Yes. Now, during that impromptu news conference, Trump was asked about uh, Vladimir Putin and his meeting on Monday with Putin. Trump said he's going to ask Putin about election meddling, arms control, Crimea. And when he was asked what he really thinks about Putin, Trump answered, He's a competitor. You know, somebody was saying, Is he an enemy? He's not my enemy. Is he a friend? No, I don't know him well enough. But the couple of times that I've gotten to meet him, we got along very well. You saw that. I hope we get along well. I think we get along well. Uh, but ultimately, he's a competitor. He's representing Russia. I'm representing the United States. How so, dare he say that? So we just heard okay. that Chris Wallace of Fox News scored a Putin interview that he's going to do this weekend. It will air on Monday? Yes, the same day of the, the Trump-Putin summit. That's a good score. You know, that was a very Trumpy couple of statements there. Number one, the whole, we'll see if we get along. I don't know if we'll get along. It's not about you right. two getting along. That doesn't matter, really. It's about substance. But then he said, look, he's uh, representing Russia's interests. I'm representing ours. Bring it. I thought that was great. That was good. It was direct. It was accurate. So, again, just the whirlwind that is the Trump uh, administration. And, my friends, the World Cup finals are set after Croatia beats England 2-1. to one. This is probably the last chance for England in this World Cup. Rashford clipping it into the traffic. Header played out wide. Is there time enough to get it back? There's the final whistle. Croatia, the second smallest nation in history to make a World Cup final. Now, I hadn't heard that tidbit. Now, see, that's exciting. Yeah. Somebody should have shared that with me. The Bay Area of San Francisco has as many people as Croatia. Yeah. It's about 4 million people. Second smallest nation ever to make the final. Yep. Hmm. That's something. Uruguay First, was the smallest. Uruguay. Yes. Correct. What? Is that a country? Uh, some say Uruguay. Oh, okay. Croatia is going to be facing off against France in the championship match on Sunday. Oh, I got oh. to root for Croatia. Heck yeah. No way. There you go. No way. No, French. What? We'd still be under Queen's rule if it weren't for the French Navy oh, in the Revolutionary War. Counterpoint. Yes. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Croatia had to fight a bloody war for independence just a couple of decades ago. Plucky country. Plucky. How about about I base it on who's got the coolest uniforms? Can I do it that way? (laughs) Croatia. Uh, So Trey Gowdy has really, really been bringing it against FBI agent Strzok on the cable news channels for weeks, months. And And he's a prosecutor of great repute. And he's leaving office, so he doesn't care. Right. So so he's going to face off with the said FBI agent, and we're going to play it for you when we come back on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Yeah.
Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the, of nation. the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, this is what we've been waiting for with Peter Strzok, the FBI agent on the stand, the man of the hour. It's his time. Gentlemen, and it's now my pleasure to recognize the chairman of the Oversight and Government Reform Committee, the gentleman from South Carolina, Mr. Gowdy, for his opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. In our justice system, we give law enforcement officers incredible powers. (coughs) The power to investigate, to search, to seize, to stop. The power to allege and accuse. The power to eavesdrop and intercept private communications, the power to look through bank records, the power to look through phone records, the power to even check what books you checked out of the library. These are awesome powers that must be used responsibly because those powers affect reputations and freedom. How great is Trey Gowdy? Oh, he's terrific. Trey Gowdy for president. I really wish he wasn't leaving office. Eh, Who knows? Who knows? It might be the wind up before the pitch, the calm before the storm. Back to Mr. Gowdy. These awesome powers are given a correspondingly high expectation that these powers will be used fairly, lawfully, professionally, and in a manner worthy of our respect. I hate to keep interrupting, but does Strzok have a smug look on his face or not? Or is that just his regular face? It's hard to say. He might have resting smug face. (laughs) He looks like he's got a smug look on his face to me. Like, okay, here comes Drig Outy with his whole, "Eh, eh, eh, I have too much power. eh." (laughs) ago, FBI agent Peter Strzok was interviewed for more than 10 hours. We learned that agent Strzok has a most unusual and largely self-serving definition of bias. Agent Strzok, despite the plain language of his text and emails, despite the inspector general's report, and despite common sense, doesn't think he was biased. He thinks calling someone destabilizing for the country isn't bias. He thinks promising to protect the country from someone he hasn't even begun to investigate isn't bias. He thinks promising to stop someone he is supposed to be fairly investigating from ever becoming president isn't bias. He- well, I... It sounds kind of biased. Well, it's it's also possible to use what is now being known as the Sean defense. Yes. He believes that claiming he can stop Trump will get him laid tonight by his mistress. I'm telling you, if he just goes with that over and over again. I'm not making a joke. That's a legitimate possibility. It's unfortunate, isn't it? (laughs) That any male or lesbian female, for that matter, would resort to such chicaneries. But uh, (laughs) I... uh, I think sometimes it happens. It goes both ways, too. I'm looking at you chicks. Oh, yeah, I love sports. Right. right. It happens both ways. Sure, action movies are fun. Let's go to one. No, I like this music you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Right. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here we go. It's talking about an insurance policy to keep someone from becoming president isn't bias. That's for one of the folks he was investigating. He has a different set of rules for others that he's investigating. Agent Strzok thinks saying someone he is allegedly investigating should be elected president 100 million to zero (laughs) before he ever interviews her. He doesn't think that's bias. 
Agent Strzok thinks pronouncing someone innocent before bothering to interview more than 30 different witnesses isn't biased. This is so good. He thinks claiming you can smell the Trump supporters isn't biased, but he doesn't say a single solitary word about being able to smell the support of any other candidate. To him, that isn't biased. The moment special counsel Bob Mueller found out about Peter Strzok's text and emails, he kicked him off of the investigation. But that was a year and a half too late. The text and the emails may have been discovered in May of 2017, but the bias existed and was manifest a year and a half before that, all the way back to late 2015 and early 2016. So it wasn't the discovery of text that got him fired. It was the bias manifest in those texts that made him unfit to objectively and dispassionately investigate. So if the bias existed in late 2015 and early 2016, and it did, His unfitness to investigate existed then as well. Agent Strzok. So, uh, you know, Trey Gowdy, a former prosecutor, and maybe one again. If I'm on trial and uh, Trey Gowdy's the prosecuting attorney, stands up and he Uh, does that, I'm I'm saying, hey, judge, is it too late to do one of those plea agreement things? Yeah, he's good. Hi! Um, And FBI agent Strzok does have resting smug face, or he's smug. He clearly does. He's got a look on his face like, whatever. Yes. Try to look grave, sir. Yeah, this is is fairly damning, I would say. Struggled to define bias for the better part of 10 hours. For the rest of us, bias is the prejudging of a person, a group, or a thing. It usually has a negative connotation, but it is a preconceived position or a prejudgment. It is the making up of your mind ahead of time based on anything other than the facts, and that is exactly what he did. Bias is saying Hillary Clinton should win the presidency 100 million to zero (laughs) when she was still under investigation, wasn't even the nominee, hadn't been interviewed, and 30 other witnesses had also not been interviewed. In March of 2016, Agent Strzok had Clinton winning 100 million to zero, even though the investigation was far from being over. That is the prejudging of someone's innocence before all the evidence is in. On the other hand, he said Trump would be destabilizing, called him an idiot, abysmal, bigoted nonsense, called him a disaster, said he should F himself. Strzok promised to stop Trump from becoming president before the investigation even began. He talked longingly of Trump resigning two months after he was inaugurated and well before the special counsel investigation even began. Strzok even talked about impeachment the day special counsel was appointed. Is that the first time F himself has ever been part of the congressional record? Certainly uh, one of the first times, yes. yes. It's a historic day, Jack. Yeah, this is, uh, this. you know, well, the way he's laying it out. I'll tell you, though, having just served on a uh, jury trial, you get the opening statement from the prosecutor and you say, where's that hanging rope? And then, you know, the defense presents their case and you think, oh, hmm, wait a minute. Okay. So, you know. Yeah, he's a great prosecutor, but, you know, Strzok has to get his day. All right. That is prejudging guilt. It is prejudging punishment, and it is textbook bias. Hang him! We live in a 50-50 country, and we accept that. 
but we're a 100% country when it comes to having law enforcement that doesn't prejudge innocence before investigations are over and doesn't prejudge guilt and punishment before an investigation even begins. Agent Strzok had Hillary Clinton winning the White House before he finished investigating her. Agent Strzok had Donald Trump impeached before he even started investigating him. That is bias. Agent Strzok may not see it, but the rest of the country does, and it's not what we want, expect, or deserve from any law enforcement officer, much less the FBI. A fair, bias-free investigation is not a Republican or Democrat issue. It's an American issue, or at least it used to be. So that was his opening statement, and then we'll get to the questions later. Right. And I can't wait till Trey Gowdy starts questioning. Could be rough. Could be. Or it could be pretty one-sided if uh, if the FBI agent just refuses to answer anything. I think he's just got to play it cool. No, I didn't like the guy, but, you know, I did my job. Yes. You were biased. No, I wasn't. Yes, right. you were. Is he going to address the affair in any way on how it inflexed his t- affected his texts? How do you not? I don't know. I mean, well, that that's the damning evidence that's being used against you. Texts you're sending late at night to a lover. Right. Well, we'll get to Trey Gowdy's questioning next hour. Also, reporter from the Sacramento Bee, Sam Stanton, about a major judge's ruling. That uh, panhandlers can hitch up for cash near an ATM. The Roe versus Wade of bums may be afoot. The Armstrong and Getty Show.